join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's From the Embassy Road Studios in the crap part of the Upper West Side of New York, is there any other, Rog, in the crap part of Austin, Texas, Roger? It's the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, we back like Ross Barkley. <laughs> is this the is, real he's life? He's properly back. He's a sleeper agent. Oh. He's an Everton sleeper agent. You know, we thought he was a sleeper Ross took him about a good 50 minutes to really get the handle of what the sleeper agent concept is all about. <laughs> he was more into the sleeping yeah. than the agent what? thing. What am I meant to do? <laughs> what, 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 where do I put the ball? What the back of the net? That's stupid. That's... Why, why would I do that? Now, why would I... It's not a wand. It's not a wand. <laughs> Dave, answer me this. Yeah. Is this the real life? Is this no. just fantasy? Caught in a never... landslide? No escape no. from reality? I'm no. just a poor boy. And I have never been more convinced that the Premier League is written by scriptwriters. It First of all, it was all or nothing, which seems so much more fake than the scripted show Lasso on <laughs> Apple TV with an American football coach with no soccer experience coming to coach a Premier League club, which was more... That was, like, was that was like realistic. that was like hard knocks compared to yeah. bloody compared to all or nothing. What was more realistic? All or nothing. Yeah. Blacklist. Yeah. Or Twin Peaks. I think Jose Mourinho does fancy himself. Does fancy himself as a bit of a spader type, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I would answer to that question. Battlestar Galactica is more realistic. Correct answer. Way more realistic. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. And also Jose Mourinho, definitely a Cylon. Definitely a Cylon. I think we've just nailed it. I think we just nailed it. Mourinho looks at himself in the mirror and sees John Hughes era James Spader looking right back at him. Portuguese <laughs> Spader. I think we've just cracked. We've really made a breakthrough here. Oh, but mate. I'm easy come, I'm easy go, little high, little low, any way the wind blows. Doesn't really matter. You're top of the league, you're top of the league, Roger. To me. First of all, can we just say, before we talk about me, 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 up the villa. Oh, villa amazing. (laughs) Prince William, he's just having a laugh in the palace right now. He loves this villa team. Prince William, if you're listening, come on the pod, mate. Come on the pod. We've up the villa. You're my kazoo twin. Come on, get in. Second... Everton, friend of mine, Davo, friend of mine, mm-hmm. wrote me Sunday morning. He wrote, the world is a mess. 
the darkest instincts of humanity are not just on display, they're being amplified. And Everton are a beautiful football team. He says, I'm not just saying the last one cancels out the other two, but I bet it's closer than you'd be comfortable to admit. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me, everybody wants to know, Rog, take me into the family group chat with, with brother Nigel. Right now, Liverpool supporting brother Nigel. Yes. What is that family group chat? The family group chat was not a happy place for you last season with Liverpool sort of going to their first title, the only title in the history of the Premier League that mattered. What has it been like this weekend? Are you talking about the WhatsApp group that contains all of my children um, from the ages of eight to like 16, all of his kids, yeah. the one that yeah. he, with all those children on, named Everton are shit. Yeah. That chat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? What? I'll be candid. My daughter, my daughter, the one who's very keen to to send the video messages with suck it, Uncle Nige. Yeah. She does. She was desperate to get in there. That was her. As soon as the final whistle went to the Villa game, she was like, give me your phone. I'm going in. <laughs> and the honest truth is, if I know anything, about the Premier League script rises, I know there's I know there's more to come. I know there's just thirty four more games to keep it up. We're within touching distance of the perfect season. But I know mm-hmm. Everton, I know the Premier League, I know the way life works, and I've we've kept our let's just say we've kept our powder dry. There's be there'll be no scoring too early in the Bennett WhatsApp group. We've got to let more happen. There's a darkness coming the derby as we will discuss in a couple of weeks you know i don't know who you think you're talking to right now but you do know that i know you (laughs) i've known you really well for 14 years there's no way you're going to keep that up you're just i don't know who you think you are even the funny thing is i've always always joked with my wife for years for years that one year everton will have the season woven from my dreams and then just before the final game, the world is going to explode. You know, we 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 we, we joke. I know it's not joking matter anymore. The world's kind of made that less funny than it used to be. And well, you tell me that that doesn't sound now completely feasible, David. Honestly, the world literally exploding. Yeah. To me, is a little more more likely than Everton but winning the probably, Premier League. Both, but you know what? Both. This is being written. This isn't happening in real life. It's being written by writers, so anything could happen. Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately, happen. after the week we've had, both in football and out of it, both are equally feasible right now. But I've got to say, if the world does explode with that one game to go, I'll take it. I'll take it. Moral victors, Everton Football Club, plus Asterisk. world destruction. No trophy, <laughs> but I'll take it just for the guard of honours, David. You'll have the world exploding <laughs> asterisk. The ultimate asterisk. How the world exploded. Okay, Rog, it is time to announce the winners of this year's Men in Blazers Umbro logo contest. As you know, GFOPs, we are once again collaborating with the OG football style icon, Umbro, to create more Men in Blazers national team gear. A sweatshirt and shorts. It's a nice combo, Rog. Sweatshirt and shorts. Beautiful. Strong. That will be released early next year. And we asked you, dear GFOPs, to design a Men in Blazers national team club crest to adorn those beauties. We received hundreds, hundreds. well, we received thousands of entries. We received hundreds of terrific <laughs> entries. Some of them were crap, but honestly, the number of them that were amazing, so many good ones. The winners we're going to announce are Judd Mesh, 
excellent name for designing in the uh, in the you know uh, clothing business, Rog. And Jaden Stevenson, we're posting both of their designs, their winning designs on our website and social media. So check them out. And thanks to everyone who sent in a design. Oh, mate, this contest has carried me. The number of just joyous entries is a testament to the creativity of you GFOPs. We love you. We revere you. We never take your passion for granted. These designs, plus Umbro, the brand that defined football for us both back in the day, the original football brand. I cannot wait to release this gear out into the wild. And a lot of you are asking, why are you doing the sweatshirt, the beautiful heavy sweatshirt and the pair of shorts? And the answer to that is, David wants to unleash the legs. <laughs> I've unleashed the legs. I've got such a rocking tan right now. I've been playing a lot of tennis down here in Texas, Roger. Diego. Come on, Diego Schwartzman. Every day is leg day for Michael Davis. Okay, Roger, we've got a packed show. We're going to revel in this bonkers past weekend that featured bonkers. Liverpool and Manchester United, the two totems of English football, <laughs> capitulating seven and six goals, not between them, respectively, <laughs> in shocking performances. We ponder... What was less a game of football, more a graduate-level philosophy class as Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds took on Pep City. And Rog, I'm not sure you're aware, but Everton Football Club are top of the table after their fourth win in a row to start the season. Say it, it again. Truly is Say it again. Everton's, Say it, truly it again. Is Everton's title to lose, Roger. At this point, it is Everton's title to lose. Suck it, Uncle Niney. We need to be making Suck It, Uncle Nige merchandise immediately. Just, just green light it, make the mugs. J-Dub, producer J-Dub's, as many t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, Christmas ornaments, everything. Suck it, Uncle Nige. It's a, it's a winner. Suck it, Uncle Nige. I've got to say, I'm already worried about Everton's ability to defend that title in the 2021-22 season, Davo. Technically, do the Premier League authorities need an extant planet for the Premier League to play on? Or can the teams, you know, play without a globe? No, I think we will need a planet so that we have some earth to grow grass on to play football. They'll just go into the bubble. Everton may be kings of the Premier League, Rog, but they're not yet kings of draft. That title belongs for the 127th week running to Draft King Sportsbook, presenter of this <laughs> podcast, the most regal of odds makers. Oh, they're not Republicans, Rog. They are monarchists. Download the top-rated Draft King Sportsbook <laughs> app now with the speed of United frantically signing players at the end of the transfer window. Use code MIB when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to 1,000 buckaroos. That's right, a grand, Rog. Just enter code MIB when you sign up. Only at Draft King Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Rog, can we get a toast while I check the uh, the uh, app to figure out which international friendly I'm going to be gambling on this week? Mate. All I'm going to tell you while I do my toast, look at the odds for Liechtenstein San Marino. It's like printing your <laughs> yeah, own money. I think you're taking Moldova at plus uh, 5,000 <laughs> against Italy. I quite like that. We're all going to watch yeah. the Moldova game, but, you know, the bet makes <laughs> you right. relax. You're right. Spicy. Jorginho is playing for Italy. To the so toast. I fancy Moldova in that one. <laughs> oh, I want to raise my first third bud of the day to, well... 
the Premier League. Yes, the Premier League ahead of the international break and all the concern about fanlessness and, and no break for the players and no pre-season. And, uh, oh, well, we can't wait, to be clear, for fans to be able to return to the stadiums with the passion and the joy and the wonder that they bring the stadiums that their families have cheered at for generations. The other things, I mean, the upsets, the beatdowns, the unpredictability, everything. It is grand lunacy and it is a human joy that in a world in which joy is in such short supply, I do not take for granted. Bud fam, blood fam, I raise this glass to joy. You know me, Davo. I don't like to be hyperbolic. No, but this Premier League season might just be the single greatest sporting season of any sport of any kind ever played in the history of human civilization. And before that, yeah. too, I bet the fossils didn't have a season that was like this amazing. I mean, it could be argued, it could be posited that having fans in the stadium were ruining the game. It just it wasn't as good. Football's much better without fans in some ways. In some ways, Roger. That's a brave argument to make. I am not going to go there. Oh, but the league table don't lie. Yeah. Okay, Rogers. Tottenham six, Manchester United one. These are like the results when we did that um, uh, FIFA game for the World Cup, and we did that radio yeah. show, and we had to do all of those extraordinary results. This is like that. These we're just making up games here, Rog. Tottenham. This was before the World yeah. Cup, where uh, we before 2014 World Cup, we taped the voices for the. EA Sports <laughs> World Cup thing, and they beat you. Beat you. We spent four nights, long nights, in a a radio recording booth where they'd be like every eventuality. They'd be like the USA crash out in the opening round, goalless, and you'd suddenly just be like, "Oh God, it's happened. Our worst, our worst nightmare." You'd like, yeah, and then it words. would be like USA drunk. twenty-two, Spain nil, and we'd have to do that game. Yeah, they'd be like into the semi. The USA have made the semi-finals. Go. We'd be like, "Oh my God, our wildest dreams." My Protruding 12 inches through my shirt. No shirt can contain them. And that's what the Premier League feels like. When you read that result, read it again, David, because it is just madness. Tottenham 6, Manchester United 1. And by the way, that doesn't even do justice to the game, (laughs) which was even more insane than the scoreline. It was actually United, Rog, who ignited this powder keg of crazy. Just 31 seconds into the game. 31 seconds into the game. Tony Martial drew a penalty that Bruno Fernandes coolly... Hoppity skippity jumped and converted, but less than two minutes later. Nothing can go <laughs> nah, wrong now, lads. Good. Straight on, right onto the title. <laughs> Down the other end, the worst game of header tennis ever by the United defence. This was really not what you see in the beaches in Rio. Allowed Ndombele to power home an equaliser. The match director was barely done showing those cringeworthy replays. Oh my God, poor Harry Maguire. When a quick <laughs> Harry Kane free kick sprung Sun. How else does Sun come to Harry, life? Harry on Harry violence is I the know, best. very, very good. Sun is always sprung. He gets sprung a lot. Uh, he made it 2-1. It would get worse for United on 29 minutes when the aforementioned <laughs> Martial was sent off for his part in a slap fight. It was all handbags with Eric Lamella. Fight, From that point ish. on, it was all scores. Sonny added another goal. Harry Kane had a brace. Serge Aurier. Remember him, Rog, capped a piece of liquid football, helping Mourinho prove that the best revenge is living well and then making your ex suffer by posting pics of it all over Instagram with Ed Woodward in the stands. Unbelievable, Roger. You've said it all. What's the next game? <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's it. There's nothing else to say. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this was less a game of football, more proof, if we needed it, that 
Spite and children listening, remember this: Spite is the greatest no, human not. motivator. It is. Children, take the message. Take the truisms. Take them. Take Jose Mourinho, old Portuguese James Spader, <laughs> return to Old Trafford. The sight of his worst humiliation in football during that two and a half year spell, which just triggered this shame spiral of his having to prove every single game that he's still relevant. But I'm in blacklist! And then he oversaw a total stomp down of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in a game that just made you feel drunk by watching it. Within 31 seconds, first United for a Sanchez Gunnar Sanchez. Trips Martial as he charges into the area. Fernandez, hoppity skippity penalty thing, 1 0. Jose, though, he knew. Both of these teams defend like Rudy Giuliani. He's an effing genius. Crazy like a fox, right, Davo? The game plan the whole time, and we said this when it happened, was to force United to score too early. That's it, isn't oh, it? Oh, my David? God, it's an excellent tactic. Because we talk about football parking the bus. This game was all about parking the clown car. I mean, first of all, Harry Maguire, the world's most expensive forehead, Failed to use that forehead, not once, but twice, to clear the ball, leaving Undombele to smash the ball home. Then, United switch off from the free kick. Harry Kane somehow passed it quickly right through Harry Maguire, rest of the back line, standing around for United. And Sonny, whose injury was greatly exaggerated, he is risen, charged on, in alone, with just his dodgy hamstring for company, like a South Korean DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> over the top, against a sloppy, slow secondary... Some reversal, Dave, of seven minutes, and we are we are breathless. Maguire, though, what has happened? He looks like he needs a holiday, a real holiday, not not Mykonos part <laughs> deux. I mean, he's broken. Harry Maguire is broken, just totally broken at Manchester United. How, though? I mean, Harry Kane, credit him, played so deep, dragged him out of position, and the world's best-known forehead model... I mean, he's a vulnerability, so slow. If he moves forward, they lose a piece. If he stays back, he's sucking everyone backwards. Uh, United just seem to make back lines that are less out and more. You watch oh, Chris Smalling at Roma and you're like, that is a good defender once he got out of Old Trafford. You've got to credit Harry Kane, the deep-lying creator phase of his career. Magnificent to behold. Yeah, he's such a smart footballer. And he's, you know, he basically moves into midfield when Sun is there. It's amazing. Uh, to watch his intelligence. Amazing. What a professional footballer. He may have lost a step. He may have lost a step, Rod. He may have lost several steps, but he can still contribute. It's almost as if, stay with me here, mm-hmm. it's almost as if goal scoring was ruining his yeah. career. It was taking away from his playmaking. <laughs> it was just scoring all those oodles of goals was not allowing me to be the real me. I can't live a lie, says Harry Kane. I'm a deep line creator. Yeah, well, it's, look, Mourinho... And Jose, it's, it's tough. We criticise Jose a lot. We don't give him a lot of credit. But Jose has come into this Tottenham team. And after the first game of the season, that terrible uh, opening weekend performance against your lot, Rog. And he's adjusted. We've got Eric Dyer playing at centre-back. He's been centre-back for life right now. He's moved him back from holding midfield. You know, he's found a way for Harry Kane to play and to contribute. He's got players running through the lines all over the place. These players are enjoying playing for this man, Rog. Let me say that again. These players are enjoying playing for this man. Yeah, but he said in, if you watch the science fiction documentary called All or Nothing, you'll see he says, he says, I want you to be, he uses a word that we cannot and will never say on this podcast, but they've all turned to the dark side. They've embraced with joy that philosophy because you watch Martial and Lamella 
two terrible fighters. Such a pushy, pushy, shovey, shovey affair. Marshall got the red for the light touch of the face, which you get a red for now. Which led to Lamella tumbling in, you could have killed him, style. But, you know, Marshall, we agree, you can't do that. Everyone going mad that Lamella not penalised for his part in this complete Euro fight. And he should have been penalised. But the tumbling to the floor, that is Mourinho's philosophy. You've got to be that word. I mean, that was Spurs. The cuddly, wonderful, joyous Spurs of Pochettino totally gone. That is the embrace of the dark side. You know, Man United fans seem to feel that this game was completely turned on that Martial uh, sending off early. You know, at the very least, it was idiotic what he did. Yes, Lamella may have started it, but it was crazy to think that Martial could get away with it. Ole inferred that the sending off changed the game. Unprovable. I'll go out on a limb and say that's actually not true. United... So sloppy, chaotic, inexcusable, no fight and no shame. This was this was total meltdown, Dave. Against a team, it should be said, who were playing their fourth, their fourth game in a week. But it was, I didn't understand watching it. It was United who were wheezing. Pogba, exhausted, nothing worked, no defensive shield, no creativity, no ability or willingness to hold off their opponents. It was, it was truly a pathetic performance. So many great players how often have we said this about manchester united over the last few seasons so many great players we're going to talk about it later now they've brought in even more great players it doesn't seem to matter because they don't seem able to forge a team who you know you watched villa this weekend the thrill they have playing with each other i know it's easy when you're winning especially when you're winning 7-2 but they have a thrill playing with each other there is no thrill at man united they just look Miserable. United could not be worse if Adam Gase coached them. And for me, the the one true highlight of the game, because it was hard to watch the second half, final whistle, Ole went up to congratulate Mourinho. Mourinho unleashed just then. I've watched it a million times. The most textbook Mourinho patronising slap of victory on the back of Ole's neck. Oh, and Ole oh. took it like a man. As the cameras cut to Edward Wood, United Executive Chairman, who looked like a man relieved, A, that there were no fans in the stadium to chant for his head, and B, that he had to wear a mask so that no one could see his expression, because for all the money splurged, United somehow still sure in every area of the field. I mean, this is no cash-strapped backline. They have a squad, Maguire, Shaw, Bailly, Lindelof, United... I think it's like that backline is a product of $280 million splurged on on it. You you, you look at the team, there's Rashbeans, there's Pogba, there's Bruno, there's Mason Greenwood, there's Martial, there's David De Gea. Somehow, Dave, they still seem in a hot mess. There's no way to explain it. And we can blame yet another Manchester United manager for this team's lack of ability to bring these amazing players together. But it's it's tough to even do that. You know, it's just tough to do that. Or we can just say that Sir Alex Ferguson was a god and no one will ever replace him. That may be true. Yeah, I mean, you look at this club as the transfer deadline went down. No Sancho, no Dembele. Handful of incoming. Edison Cavani signed on a massive wage with smacks of the old useless Falcao signing. Buying a once elite striker, slightly ageing and appears out of nowhere of desperation. Ahmad Diallo, 48 million. Atinu won't come. 
until January. United's transfer policy, like someone frantically running down a supermarket aisle right before a snowstorm, just scooping everything available. No vision, no confident plan, no nod to analytics. And when you speak to, I mean, when you speak to people inside football, they talk about that being the problem with United. These are big names to please big sponsors. But it's at the social media department, the marketing, the brand teams are running the club rather than the football analysts. And that is how you have only a club hero, scorer of one of the most famous goals in club history, a lovely guy who got a bump from the team, mostly at first because he was a joyous gent and the exact opposite of that bastard Jose Mourinho, whom he replaced. But he's as much of a tactical genius as like, yeah, as your Bruce Arenas. And you have so much talent at United, but no blueprint, no vision to lock them in. And that, until they change that, Dave, I mean, United in a way are proof of, we always say, do managers matter? I guess United show rudderless that they do. Glazers, I know you listen to the podcast, fire Edward Wood, keep Ole, transition him into the guy who welcomed fans to the stadium, have him in the executive boxes on game day like a casino greeter. Governance also matters. Ownership matters. Um, and the whole thing seems pretty broken. Final word for Spurs, though, David. I mean, wow, they turned it around since that opening day. It wasn't the loss to Everton. It was the performance against Everton that was so abject. Since then, despite Mourinho railing against the, the schedule, Tottenham have just got better and better and better. Yeah. You know, there are several people in media, in sports media, serious football journalists, saying, you know what, Tottenham could win the whole thing this year. Semi-serious football journalist. It's really a race for second now, isn't it? Though the ch- yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, coming second. You can yeah. have second Spurs. I, I will say in this one, I admired it great. This was a game plan executed to a T. J Dubs texted me. He said, "Jose Mourinho finally giving United fans the attacking football they've long cried out for." It was yeah. that much of a comprehensive victory that Mourinho even unleashed Delhi as his chef's kiss. You are so crap, I can even field my scrubs. And on this day, I'm happy for Jose, who at final whistle could barely contain a smirk. Some men just want to watch the world burn, David. Oh, he went for the net grab, the net grab, the times the Mourinho has gone for the net grab. Only he took a, it well, only he took it well. Credit lad. A special kind of humiliation. Credit lad, he took it well. Well, if you think the Premier League scriptwriters tested suspension of disbelief with that game, Rog, this next one was a all or nothing. It was a lasso levels. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2, the first time a reigning Premier League champ has ever conceded seven goals in a game. Oh my God, the stat department at Opta must be going insane. The madness started in just the fourth minute when Adrian provided Liverpool fans a Loris carrier, Simon Mignolet-era flashback, passing the ball right to Jack Grealish, who set up record signing Oli Watkins whoa, for his first Premier League goal. Villa then went 2-0 up in the 22nd minute, with Grealish again playing in Watkins, who cut inside Joe Gomez before hitting a triple 20. Mo Salah pulled the goal back on 33 minutes, but goals from John McGinn, another from Watkins, a first-half perfect hat-trick, Rog, made it 4-1 at the break. The mayhem bled into the second half with Villa debutant and your mate, Ross Barkley, making it five. He could have had five, Rog. Salah pulled one back, but Jack Grealish added a late brace to cap what is the result of the season so far. And one of the most insane Premier League games in recent memory, even more insane than the game we've already spoken about, that was the most insane game in recent memory. We're saying that not almost every week now, Rog. We're saying it almost every game. What is Scouse for Schadenfreude again, Dave? Roger? I don't know. It is hard, Hodge. Oh, cast your mind back. 
to the moments before kickoff. Liverpool fans had lived the dream. They'd seen City stumble again. They'd laughed as United crashed and burned. Leicester got stuffed. They are walking on sunshine. And then out of nowhere, like a piano dropping on their heads as they walked down the street, this, this once-in-a-decade villa performance for the ages of which ballads will be written, tapestries woven of the day, the newly emboldened Aston Villa of Jack and Ross smote a biblical Goliath with a slingshot like David before them. I mean, yes, Liverpool had Corona take out Thiago and then Sadio Mane get well soon to them both. Alisson out with a shoulder injury. But Devo, we never saw this coming, did we? I mean, on either level, we never saw this kind of performance by Liverpool coming. We never saw Aston Villa being this good. And make no mistake about it, Villa were superb. Yes, there are a lot of deflected goals and the Teutonic Care Bear laughs, laughs, laughs as though this whole thing is just a mistake and it's just uh, the whole world coming against him. But Aston Villa played their little boots off in this game and Liverpool just looked casual. They honestly looked like they thought they were too good to be on the field for that team. Yeah, we've spent the past few weeks talking about Liverpool as really approaching a machine. They're a machine, I tell you. Oh, not in this one. This was this was I'm watching, and excuse me for lapsing into the third person, but sometimes something is so just historic, third person is permissible. This was Roger Bennett's personal visit to Fantasy Island. That's what this game was like. <laughs> Thank you, Tati. Thank you, Hervé Villachez. Fourth minute, and Adrian trying to play it out the back. Our friend, GFOP Houston Rockets GM, Daryl Morey, always questions the belief that the benefits of playing the ball out the back to the goalkeeper. He's always like, why do they do that? Why do they do that? He said, I bet stats show that the risk of coughing it up is just dominant there. Just His point is, in the NBA, you used to shoot the basketball. You'd have your team crash the board, but now... Stats have shown it's much, much more effective if your team actually rush back to prepare for your opponent's next possession. And this was a weekend watching so many schmucky backline cough-ups that I actually began to believe, Daryl. Grealish swooped in on the slop, set up striking new boy Ollie Watkins. By the order of the peaky blinders, gobsmacked. 1-0, Klopp could not have looked more shocked if someone had smacked the side of his face with a large piece of cod. Ollie Watkins, Dave, a perfect hat-trick. What, what a clinical finisher. Yeah, Ollie Watkins, signed from Brentford, I believe. Yeah, 36 million. And, oh my God, what an abundance of young strikers that England have. Um, I mean, if this guy was American, Rod, you'd be going insane at this point. He is um, and just yet another, not even anywhere near the fringes of the England setup. And what a player. His hold-up game was fantastic. Everything he did as a striker, his movement was great. His finishing was great. His passing was superb. I thought he was just superb in every aspect of the game. He's a testament to the Premier League pyramid. This is a kid that started off in Exeter City's Youth Academy. That is part mm. of the country, Devon. Beautiful. What, when you think of Devon, what do you think of, David? It's the tip of the tip of the southwest of England. Well, Exeter is the place you, you, you stop before you really head down into Devon and Cornwall. It's like a gateway city. Um, but yeah, it's it's on it's in the fringes. Like no one comes from Exeter. No one. No I mean, one. It is far, far from being a football. It's it's beautiful countryside and beaches. It's like an exotic part of England. A holiday, gorgeous, gorgeous. It's almost like the that area has become like the Hamptons of England. And he's ground his way yeah. up 
the league pyramid. Huge joy to see him play with such confidence as part of this 2020-21 Villa squad who are the really the opposite of the outgun mob of last season. They may be the stealth league's most improved side. Matty Cash, Emiliano Martinez, Ross Barkley now. And in this one, they pinpointed the risk inherent in Liverpool's play. It's been there the whole time, but no one has attacked it in the way Aston Villa do. Liverpool play such a high line. Feel that confidence because of the speed of their fullbacks, because of Virgil van Dijk's demigod status, also because of Alisson is so good. We've talked about this in one-on-ones that they've almost been able to ride their luck. And in this one, it was like watching an elite high-wire walker just have an off night and tumble, tumble, tumble into a safety net over and over and over. What was it like for you watching Liverpool concede again and again and again? I loved every second of it. I loved every second of it, partly because I love watching Villa, just those kids having such a good time. Matty Cash, these are players, he's a guy who came up at Forest, worked so hard in his career to make it to where he is right now. And I thought he was superb at right back as well. Um, Ross Barkley, you know, must be difficult for him going out on loan um, to Aston Villa. But looking at the instant rapport, instant rapport he had with Jack Grealish, I thought was just superb to watch. And Villa just played just beautiful, beautiful football. And I loved watching Liverpool just not really take it. They were miserable about it. They were complaining about everything, watching Jurgen Klopp arguing with the fourth official. I mean, it just was, I loved every second of it. Yeah, I don't know how much the Premier League scriptwriters are getting paid, but this season, whatever it is, it is not enough. It is not enough. Watching almost every possession, Grealish cut through Liverpool with such relish. It felt like Liverpool scored at will. Yes, often with a deflection, but if you don't shoot, you don't score. And to make Virgil van Dijk go so apoplectic that he screamed right into Robbo's ear. I mean, I was just like, oh, if Ollie Watkins and the deflections were a band, I would go and see them live in concert right now. It would be the best Scar Revival band of all time. And I know Liverpool missed Jordan Hendo. I know they missed Thiago. Cater outgunned in that middle as Ross Barkley Huffed and puffed, yes, 7-2, and even Ross Barkley scored. Oh, let's pay tribute, Dave, to Aston Villa, a.k.a. my new favourite second football team. They and Everton are the Kazoo Twins. What did you see when you watched them? In any sort of truly competitive sport, if one team goes down a couple of percentage points and another team plays up a couple of percentage points, you know, it makes an enormous difference in sport. And obviously, without their goalie, um, you know, without Mane, without a few of their key players, Hendo, you know, Liverpool went down a few percentage points in previous games. Certainly last season, they were able to overcome those moments, overcome those percentage points drops, but not against Villa. I love watching Villa play expansive football. Congratulations to Dean yes. Smith, John Terry, the entire coaching staff. And well done. Knowing that bringing in Ross Barkley, you know, that was sort of a shock. No, Not many people saw that coming. But just watching how he played with Grealish, it was excellent, excellent, excellent football. I drank all the kazoo this weekend because it could have been could have been nine or ten goals in this one. I love this league. I love this game. I love this Aston Villa side. Their positivity. The way their midfield hunted in packs forced Liverpool to cough that ball up cheaply over and over again. Yes, the finishing was deflective, but what a day for this storied, historic club. What joy after the struggle of last season. Incredibly, four games in, Villa have already scored over a quarter of last season's league goals total. I'll just say, have a night, Villa fans. Have a night. But Liverpool 
how do you understand the result suddenly looking so bad? It's as if Pep Guardiola's coaching him. I mean, this schedule, this relentless football, this fatigue, no break, no preseason, freaky Friday results. I mean, it was like, I, I was watching, I was like, Liverpool have turned into Everton. Look, I think a 2-0 loss, a, even a 3-1 loss, and we could just write this off and say, oh, there's nothing to see here, nothing going on. Finally, this perfect team had to have an off day. But to basically lose 7-2, Roger, 7-2. I mean, there was that 4-0 loss uh, against Man City, you know, um, during the restart last season. We kind of wrote it off saying, oh, they've already won the title. It's, it's very difficult. But this 7-2, very, very, very hard to just write off and say, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. I mean, we, we are living in a campaign and clear this season. Any given day, any team in the Premier League can play like they're in the NFC East. And Liverpool did in this one. They look mortal. And to me, on one one level, that only goes to serve to reinforce my appreciation for the brilliance of their perfection last season. That was my number one takeaway, that just a couple of deviations from perfection and you get this. Klopp said post-game, all the things we shouldn't do in a football match we did tonight. The first goal had an impact and it shouldn't. The reaction, not good. We lost the plot. Will this tactical humiliation, the high line exposed... Will it have longer-lasting consequences, or is this a one-off, David? You know, Liverpool may rebound from this, and I actually imagine that Liverpool will rebound from this. But one of the reasons that Liverpool was so dominant last season is they had this psychological superiority over all of their opponents. Opponents, you felt, went into games against Liverpool not believing that they could beat them. And when they were pushed, Liverpool, they managed to find that new gear and beat them, which 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 continued to create even more of this psychological superiority. I think with this one game, with this one loss and the nature of this loss, that psychological superiority is gone. Leeds certainly chipped away at it with their opening day performance against them. But I think that psychological superiority is gone now. Teams know that if they get at Liverpool, they can score against them. You know, I think we've got the relentless nature of football to thank for this. It's terrible for the players. It's great for the fans. The poor coaches. The idea of trying to tactically prepare for every opponent when games are coming this thick and fast is a is a joke. And this is the Premier League in the upside down with Bob. I'm going to love every single second of it. But I did think this. As the seconds tick down, Dave, I, I, I wrote in my book, I wrote... Wouldn't want to be the team who faced Liverpool next after this, humiliate. Oh, <laughs> oh dear, <crap>. Everton. <laughs> and that is why the Everton Bennett family WhatsApp group was utterly silent. I understand. Yeah, you said the upside down. I kept on thinking of uh, Madam Topsy Turvey, the character that Meryl Streep played in the uh, in Mary Poppins. Dog is kit. Everything was upside <laughs> down. Everything was topsy-turvy. Everything that should have been one way was another way. Dog, Dog is cat. Kit. Liverpool are Everton. And Aston Villa are magnificent. Okay, Rog, we're going to be back in just one minute to talk. Breaking news from North London. Gunnosaurus is out at Arsenal. Maybe. But first, this quick break. <laughs> Three most important attributes of a Premier League footballer, Roger. Go. Elite athleticism, neck tats, and I'm drawing a blank on number three. Rog, it's obvious, personal style. You may never naturally have the first. I'm talking about <laughs> you. 
But the good news is you can easily get the latter thanks to Stitch Fix. Yes! I love Stitch Fix. In I love my Stitch's Fix. A personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love effortless. It's a completely different way to shop that's all about you, not you, Roger, but you out there listening to this every time. <laughs> to get started, go to stitchfix.com slash blazers to set up your profile. They'll deliver great looks personalized just for you. Well, they can be looks you, or looks. No, they're not giving you anything, Roger. In your colors, styles, and budget, you pay a $20 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time. There's no subscription required. Plus, shipping, returns, exchanges are easy and free. Stitch Fix does the hard work for you, making great style effortless for everybody, including men, women, and kids, available in the US and in the UK as well, Roger. The first time we did this read, I said I'd tell DCL about Stitch Fix and just look what it's done for him. Proof <laughs> facts. <laughs> you sure that wasn't the Roman? Get started today at stitchfix.com slash blazers. You'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash blazers for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash blazers. Stitchfix.com slash blazers. <laughs> Okay, Roger. Leeds won. Manchester City won. On a regular weekend, this would be a quite exceptional result. This weekend, it was just like boring. A football <laughs> hipster's delight, though, as Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United take on Pep Guardiola's Man City in a tactical battle for the ages. City took the lead on 17 minutes when Raz skipped across the top of the box. He loves skipping across the top of the box, Rog, before curling one into the bottom corner for his first league goal of the season. But in the 59th minute, Ederson, who in all fairness was brilliant in this game, registered the second worst punch of the weekend behind Tony Martial. He fisted a corner directly into Benjamin Mendy, allowing Rodrigo to stab home the equaliser. That's how it ends. City, Roger, have just four points from their first three games. Bielsa and Pep, I mean... Mentor, mentee, sorcerer and apprentice. The famed 11-hour meeting that they had that led Pep to want to become a manager in the first place. That really, the 11 hours they spent together, which is just a sesh, really, for the likes of Steve Bruce and Sam Allardyce. It's just a sesh, isn't it? 11 hours, no biggie. But, you know, if you think about how many hours commentators have actually got out of that 11 hours meeting, they just kept banging on about 11. You know, they met for 11 hours. It was just, I mean, God, it's given the world of football just endless conversation about those 11 bloody hours. And it was worth it because this was a mad descent into footballing madness, like a wank off between two PhDs in obsessive neurotics. Like watching the dance-off in Zoolander and Hansel, the walk-off challenge, both teams trading moments of verve and wonder. Pep fielded new central defender Ruben Diaz. He had a head-down performance, which was actually a positive thing for a City centre-back. City actually started in a style that reminded me most of Nelson Mandela's observation that there's nobody more dangerous than one who's been humiliated. They just knocked Leeds backwards, and God love Raz. No one prays on slot like Raz. He loves it in the face. Wriggled, shoulder dropped, arrowed an unstable arc into the corner. But letting City go 1-0 up. This season, it's actually the Brodge opening in chess. It's exactly where opponents want them because they, they kind of seed initiative as soon as they do go 1-0 up. Yeah, we've seen Chelsea do this a lot too. They, uh, they sort of lose a little interest when they go 1-0 up. Is that what it is? Because Le- or was it Leeds ratcheting up the tempo? It was it was astonishing to see the balance of power just constantly shift in this game. Credit Leeds, who've played fantastic football all season. Um, 
But you do feel the city with all that talent, all that ability, sometimes do just take their foot off the gas. Yeah, you know, I interviewed Marcelo Bielsa last week. It was quite an exhausting exercise. I asked him to describe in his own words his style of football, and he just responded with four words. He said, to be a protagonist. And that is exactly what Leeds became. Fearless, Bielsa's team. Just liquid football, flicks, movement, at pace, into space. They didn't have one iota of fear for Manchester City. And it does feel, you talked about Liverpool, Davo, losing their mystique. It does feel as if the Manchester City mystique has just been stripped away. This mystique has been transferred to Everton and Aston Villa. These are the teams with the mystique now. <laughs> Leeds have got mystique. Mystique is is a, is is totally transferred. That's what happened during transfer deadline. Mystique got transferred. But nobody reported on that. Incoming. Mystique has arrived <laughs> at Villa Park. I mean, th- th- it wasn't Mystique scoring the goal there. Actually, it was Edison coming out to punch, two-handed, fluffing it like a Brazilian Pickford. But the end of this game, it was like watching speed chess if you've ever played that blitzkrieg against blitzkrieg one in which city won the opening leads the middle game and just about shaded the end game but city held on it was breathtaking it was a classic like bielsa and pep they clashed in 2011 uh, when they were both at the helm of spanish teams bilbao and barca google that game breathtaking to watch this game you can watch over and over again, I think football commentators are legally obliged to call this game a tilt. It wasn't a football game, it was a tilt. Leeds, seven points, talked post-game about how they knew City's defence was poor and they just went for it. And that's what I admire about this Leeds team, that they are unafraid, will go toe-to-toe with anyone. They are full-on Dothraki blood rider in their mentality. What a sort of refreshing new entrant to the Premier League, playing a style of football that, frankly, we haven't seen Many teams come up and play in such an adventurous way, play in such a tactically nuanced way, in such a, um, you know, elaborate way. And I think they're going to do really well in the Premier League this season. What is wrong, though, with City, in your mind? Is it just negative muscle memory at this point? We said this a few times last season that they've started to tune their manager out. Um, Very tough to continue to sort of bang on at them week after week after week after week. You know, there are some weaknesses on this team, defensive weaknesses we've seen before. Although on this one, like Edison, who on the whole has been fantastic. Very surprising to see him make that error. But really, you just expect Man City to score more goals. And they didn't. They just didn't. Just six. Six this season. DCL has scored that many. They really are looking like an ageing apex predator who will occasionally come out their cave to thrash someone and hope the rest of the league will take notice. They lack leadership. You watch them in moments of stress and they don't have anyone on that field leading in the way company yeah yeah David Silva used to but you're right we've always taken as route that the players can tune Pep out we've always known Pep doesn't stay anywhere for more than four years and we do always think that he's just burning out what we've never figured in is what it must feel like from that player's perspective because I imagine under Pep, they must burn out like an ant under a magnifying glass. OK, Rog, Arsenal 2, Sheffield United 1. And the 58-minute substitution of Nicolas Pepe turned this nil-nil game on its head. The Ivorian made an immediate impact when he came on, taking just three minutes to set up England's Bakaya Saka for the opener. 
Four minutes after that, he linked up with Hector Bellerin playing a one-two that sent the winger down the line. He cut inside, finished for his first goal of the season. The Blades pulled one back in the 84th minute. Their first goal of the season, Roger. But Arsenal survived squeaky bum time to get their third win in four. We should say pretty lucky to have David Luiz on the field, though. (laughs) Forgettable first half, transformed in the second when Arteta moved to 4-2-3-1. Willian playing ahead of Ceballos and Elneny with Saka stretching the wings. Space suddenly, creativity suddenly, and energy. And it's like Arteta was a chiropractor, finally working out to align a difficult patient's spine. He's definitely trying to mitigate and balance a squad that has so many built-in limitations. But creating the space up top takes so much pressure off that midfield too. And when Pepe came on, he really changed the game. Two moments of true class finishing from the ebullient Saka. What a week he had, full English call-up. And then Pepe, if that kid can find his swagger, what an asset, belatedly, he's going to become for Arsenal. And another joyous final whistle celebration for Arteta. He knows he is grinding them out. But three points more, Davo. And progress again. Look, I actually think that this weekend, when I was reflecting on it, was maybe more significant for the two North London teams, Arsenal and Tottenham, than it was for anyone else. And forgive me, because I know you believe that your main squeeze Everton, your side chick Aston Villa are going to be parading to the end of the season in first and second place. But for Arsenal and Tottenham, they've got to be looking around right now and thinking, you know what? This could be our year. We could actually do it this year. Uh, And that's not just a top four trophy, Arsenal fans. That is maybe winning the entire thing. Um, that Pepe goal, I thought, was significant. The way he ran on goal, the way he took the ball, the way he... I mean, that was a beautiful thing. You would have to really dislike football not to enjoy that moment, not to enjoy that replay. Um, Impressive. They're impressive. I would fear Arsenal more than any other team in the Premier League right now. Collective confidence and consistency. All the Cs. And those are really in this season, this erratic season, this lunatical season, that are the values, those are the values you want from your team that allow you to dream. We'll talk about the transfer window in one second. I do need to know it's seventh Premier League defeat in a row for the Blades. They've really gambled on Rian Brewster to save their season and really prevent Sheffield, and this saddens me, from looking like second season Huddersfield. I don't know what it is with the fields, Dave, but Arsenal's transfer window didn't bring in an hour but did deliver Willian, Gabriel, and at last, a midfield fulcrum, the tactically astute Garnet and Thomas Partey, as well as subtracting the distraction of a Genduzzi and poor old Torreira. Arsenal fans, it wasn't exactly what you wanted, but my God, it's pretty bloody amazing. Partey is a player I really admire, and I think he's going to light up this Premier League superb footballer. But it did cost one of the greats, Roger. One of the greats, Kronke, being Kronke, a man who just spent $5 billion on the new stadium. He couldn't take the accolades, Dave. He couldn't. He, he got into his office. He goes, I can't. I've got to maintain my reputation as a total bastard. I've, I, you know, being the worst human being in sport, I didn't move the Rams from St. Louis so I could be lauded in London. Do something to make them hate me. And what did they do, Dave? Uh, they fired Gunnosaurus. <laughs> they killed him. They killed him, as you wrote, so Thomas Partey could live. Yeah, Gunnosaurus died, so Thomas Partey could live. It wasn't the asteroids that killed the the, the dinosaurs. It wasn't the, like, 
they ran out of whatever food they used to eat. It was Cronke. Cronke killed the bloody dinosaurs. Or, or Jerry Coy, the man who has portrayed mascot Gunnosaurus for the past 27 years, but was made redundant. He's really been Arsenal's one constant in good times and bad and badder. This, to me, was up there with crushing the hearts of Rams fans by yanking them around. R.I.P. Gunny, forever in our hearts. Ozil, though, Dave. Ozil. I mean, oh, plot twist. Yes! Plot twist. I mean, Three hours ago, Mesut Ozil gets on his Instagram. He's not, he's, not, he's not big on social media, but he gets on his Instagram and uh, sends out a picture of Gunnosaurus. He says, I was so sad that Jerry, a.k.a. our famous and loyal mascot, official Gunnosaurus, an integral part of our club, was being made redundant after 27 years. As such, I'm offering to reimburse at Arsenal with the full salary of our big green guy as long as I will be an Arsenal player. That's interesting to us. <laughs> so Jerry can continue his job that he loves so much. Yep. Incoming. Cronkay <laughs> sends Ozil to DC United. My favourite part of his uh, of his Instagram post was the hashtag Justice McGunnosaurus. <laughs> I did love. I did love how yesterday thousands of Arsenal fans suggested they actually have Ozil step in and start donning the Gunnosaurus costume himself. They're like, they pay, they're paying him anyway. They're paying him anyway. The honest truth is, Ozil would be the second best footballing dinosaur after Glenn Murray. I think you should do it. Mate. <laughs> okay, Rog, you mentioned the C's earlier. Uh, here are more C's for you. Chelsea in crisis for Crystal Palace nil. It's always hard to enjoy when your main squeeze and side chick are in the same place together, Rog. But this but it can be very confusing also. But this performance made me feel good about my life partner. Ben, Netflix and Chilwell's first Chelsea goal, Rog. A stonking Kurt Zuma header. We're Ben Chilwell's team now. Are there any other kind of Kurt Zuma headers other than the stonking ones? A pair of Jorginho hoppity-skippity-jumpity penalties, as well as Chelsea's first clean sheet of the season under debutant goalkeeper Eduard Mendy. Plus the return of Christian Pulisic rocking that number 10 shirt. It was all his game, Rog. Nobody else did anything. Hard for me to ask for more than that. What was it? What was it like for you? Your Davo heart at war with Davo brain, emotions just taking the battlefield against themselves. I mean, Chelsea feeling Palace out from the beginning, pinging the ball around the field with an emotion that could best be called brittle confidence. What was the what was the first half like for you to experience? Well, look, when Palace play now, I mean, it's difficult for me because it's 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 more than just heart and brain. It is that Palace are owned by one of my best mates in the world, Steve Parrish, who I've just become so close to over the last few years. And we've gone through so much with each other. I miss him so much. And I just want Palace to do so well. In some ways, I want Palace to do better than Chelsea. But Chelsea is the team I've supported since I was a little kid, even though I'm from South London, where Palace play. So it's all quite confusing for me. Um, And the first half was confusing for me because Chelsea looked really good and didn't do anything. And I was really worried about it until halftime when Tim Howard started saying he was backing Palace. And then I literally took all the money. I took the house, Roger, put it all on Chelsea. And therefore, we had that amazing, we had you, that amazing second are you, half. Are you telling me you fade Tim Howard? Oh, totally. Totally. When he said, I fancy Palace in the second half, I was like, let's bet the house. Called up Cousin Sal. Let's bet the house. Bet the house on Chelsea. Oh, mate. I, I mean, I felt for Palace because you saw the Roy organisation Bonabauer spent on the training ground organisation barking them in the wind and the rain and all it took was one sacco mistake drink that dude also later gave away a penalty his whole game generally an early bid for Chelsea player of the season 
You know, ball slopped around. Ben Chilwell smashed it, noshed it. He put some mustard on that, Davo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Chilwell had an amazing game. Zuma yeah. had an amazing game. Frank Lampard has taken your Strafender idea next level, David. I mean, this is who's scoring all our goals this season, Roger, or our Strafenders. And Jorginho, who is our designated kicker. We're carrying a kicker. We're playing 10 men. We should get some credit. We are literally playing 10 men every week. He's the Rodrigo Blankenship of the Premier League. Yeah, we're basically carrying a designated penalty kicker. That's all he's there for. And it's very clear. That's why he wouldn't give the ball to Abraham, Rod. He's like, I'm only in the team to do this. I have no other function. Chilwell was magnificent. We're Ben Chilwell's team now. He's like Ashley Cole reborn. So... Go away, Frank Lampard, Rubberneckers. Clean sheet, politic late substitute cameo. Our Lord and Saviour plays himself back into contention. The only way it could have gotten better for you, David, was if Havertz or Werner meaningfully contributed. I mean, Werner, really a 50 million decoy runner so far. Yeah, Werner doesn't feel like he's playing in that where he wants to be playing um, out wide behind Abraham. I think he's going to do better when he's alone up top. And I have a feeling that's where he's going next. You know, Havertz, I think, looks really good. It's tough to watch all of Chelsea's games this season and not be impressed by what you've seen from Havertz. He tackles so well. He runs with the ball so well. He has a vision. He's just getting used to playing in this league, Rog. So I'm very, very happy with him. I do think Jorginho should have let Werner and Havertz take the penalty together, though, just to... You know, boost their confidence. Holding hands, speaking yeah, German. Yeah, that'd be yeah. amazing. It'd be like a scene from The Sound of Music. It'd be God. beautiful. They could have. They, he should. He should, could have said, "Lads, I'm going to let you take it together, but you have to do it in my hoppity skippity." Hoppity skippity jumpity. What is hoppity skippity jump in German? <laughs> we'll have to look that up uh, afterwards. Let me get my Collins German dictionary and look that up. You know they've got a word for hoppity skippity jump. They probably have a word for that particular style of penalty. They also them. the Germans also have a word for when a broadcaster does not know the word hoppity skippity <laughs> jumpity right. in German. They have a word for when two people on a podcast are talking about the fact that there is yes. a word that yes. broadcasters have for when they don't remember what the word is for hoppity skippity jumpity in German. And Americans have a word for the fact that Chelsea have a 100% record and they haven't conceded a single goal when Christian Pulisic is in the squad. That word is stats. Stats in the face with your stats. But you've got to feel that I think Havertz and Werner, if they were looking for a German word, would use Wenderpunkt, a turning point for your Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think this was a big game and I think that clean sheet means a lot. Um, You know, Chelsea's performances have not been bad. I love the fact that we're all revisiting that first week of the season and talking about like a game they didn't deserve to win against Brighton. They they scored three times. They kind of deserved to win it. Um, and, you know, 10 men against Liverpool, still a, a creditable result in that game before we found out that Liverpool were awful. And, uh, <laughs> no you know, knew. it's okay. No this one knew. In this topsy-turvy season right now, being Chelsea right now, that's not a bad place to be in this Premier League season. Chelsea in crisis are doing just fine. Okay, Rog, Leicester, nil, West Ham, three. David Moyes proves he is the master of remote working. He's so good remote, Rog. His irons get their second win on the spin despite him being sidelined, maybe because of him being sidelined with coronavirus. The team, they beat only undefeated, top of the table, formerly perfect Leicester City. Goals from fresh off shoulder day, Mikel Antonio, uh, Pablo Fornals and Jared Bowen see Leicester's high back line exposed. A defensive display so frustrating for the Brodge, it left his sausage fingers furiously punching in code MIB to his smartphone as he places that next weapon order. <laughs> he also loves the stitch fix. He can do with it as well. Oh, West Ham. 
It's so much better when David Moyes controls the team with a joystick, which is not plugged into anything at all. I keep telling him, it's plugged in, sir. We're doing exactly what you tell us, so just keep waggling the joystick. He's the only man in the world still using a joystick. That's my favourite thing. It's, what, it's not plugged into anything. It doesn't matter. So we get it's it's uh, wireless. Okay then. I mean, I just picture him with a joystick in his pajamas from the comfort of his own home. You know, we all know I'm kidding because it's also very well known that David Moyes sleeps totally in the nude. He does, doesn't he, David Moyes? He's a nude sleeper. Ugh. Yeah, think about that. Think about that. Think about that. I don't want to think about it. I've already. I'm just trying to get the word joystick out of my he head. Wears, he wears. Actually, he doesn't. He wears a pair of iron underpants. But without <laughs> the coo- <laughs> made with genitals. Made with genitals. Oh, GFOPs, you tell us what David Moyes sleeps in. And picture, everyone picture what it looks like. David Moyes sleeping in the nude. Do it now. And send your submissions in on an extra sketch. Use both knobs. Whatever's the opposite of rumour, that is what it is, mate. But my God, he must have been so proud with this result, David Moyes. He must have been tempted to get in a limo and just wave at fans living the ground. They shook off their problems. They brought Brodge right back down to earth with a performance which was assured. Yes, West Ham assured. Just their shape. Their new signing. Vladimir Kufal, just a defender. Whoa. I mean, Leicester, perfect record, no more. Yes, injuries, no Pereira, no Ndidi, no James Madison. But they were so physically outmatched in the midfield and couldn't play on the counter. Even with all that possession, West Ham essentially did to Leicester what Leicester did to Manchester City the week before, which when I think about it, Broderick's probably elated upon reflection. In a way, he'll yeah. process this. He'll say to himself, my Leicester, in a way, lost to my West Ham. Same tactics. <laughs> Although I am still laughing at the fact that you think that David Moyes has a limo <laughs> or even access to a limo. I also love the idea that Brodge is just an old-timey evangelical preacher travelling the country, preaching the word. <laughs> The word of Brodge. Oh, it's a big tent religion, lads! <laughs> my West Ham! They beat my Leicester! Oh, I would love to hear Brodge speaking in tongues, though. I think he could do that. He could really be one of those... Um... A televangelist. The Brodge tele... He's got the teeth for it. Yeah, but the, uh, the, He's got the, the portraits tam- of Brodge don't paint themselves. You know, they don't paint <sighs> themselves. Jamie Vardy, he can walk! He can walk! <laughs> <laughs> I did that! That that would be that would be the problem for Brodge is sharing the billing with Jesus. Yeah. It's not God. God didn't do that. I made Balotelli market corners. Yeah. Brodge moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> he liked that. There is certainly he, he's he's changing all the gospels just to work for him. Ah, the Bible of Brodge. <laughs> The Book of Brodge. <laughs> okay, Newcastle 3, Burnley 1. The highlight in this one for me, Rog, an Sam Maxime double crossover and sublime finish that sent three Burnley defenders back to the Shires. And Ashley Westwood volley did briefly pull Sean Dyche's mob level on 61 minutes. But a Callum Wilson double in the final oh. 25 minutes. What a buy he's been. Third and fourth goals of the season for him. See the big and boys get their second win of the, the season. Big the big boys. Clarets. The big and boys. Big and you see it? <laughs> oh my god, Alan Sam Maximin flamboyantly imposing himself on games. He's the kind of player you will tune into fixtures just to savour his thinking, his confidence, his swagger, Callum Wilson's clinicality. I'll just say this in Brucey Ball, we trust. 
Oh, Burnley, though, hard to watch. This tiny club from a struggling northern former cotton town defy alchemy in their fifth straight top flight season and then just wilt like this with a tiny squad worn down by injury. Very little money sloshing around to save themselves. Honestly, oh, Clarets fans, I feel for you. It's harrowing to witness. Wolves won, Fulham nil. Fulham lose their fourth on the bounce. The Cottagers marginally better here than they've been the first few weeks. But a 56-minute Pedro Neto goal does them in. Oh, two American internationals. Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson starting for Fulham. Ooh. Full America, more sequels than Police Academy. To which GFOP at David S. Edwards said, like the movies themselves, they're kind of crap after the fourth one. Robinson actually solid. Lavelle Jones style going up against Adama Traore and his pectoral muscles. Wolves still look shattered despite CONCACAF God Raul Jimenez signing a new contract. They didn't create much, but oh, Fulham, Tim Ream, always the creator, always there to deliver the non-win. Again, his defensive cock-up, which handed Wolves their goal. I've said this from day one, Fulham are going to give Derby 2007-8 and their 11-point season a run for their money. I need to ask you though, Davo, you always get moral victories in the wardrobe department. Scott Parker making that double-breasted cardigan happen. I can't wear a double-breasted. Uh, J-Dubs always says to me, that bloke is in a one-man perpetual wardrobe homage to Dead Poet Society. He's got Luke's four days. I can't do double-breasted. You do. What I is the it. double breast? You love a double breast. What is the rule? Yeah. I don't know the button rules. Well, you have to do that inside button. You've got to do the inside button up. That's very important. And then you just do the top button on the on the blazer and you leave the bottom one undone. That's that's obvious, Rog. Everybody knows that. What do you do when you sit down there? Unfurl it, Rog. Unfurl it. Loosen it up. Let it hang. Let all that fabric live. Let it live. Do you unbutton? Yes, totally. Of course you unbutton when you sit down. What are you thinking? <sighs> By the way, I'm so confused by all of it, but Stitch Fix, if you're listening, Daddy wants. Yeah, Scott Parker, he's the best-dressed manager, best-looking manager in the Premier League. They've just got RLC in, my favourite Chelsea player, Rog. A little bit heartbroken to see him go for them on loan, but I hope the oft-injured midfielder is going to get some game time. They've now got the best-looking player in the Premier League, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, to go with the best-looking manager. They're going to be sweet on the eyes, even if they go down. I think Scott Parker taking him under his wing and telling him exactly where on the tie to put the tie clip, higher than you'd ever imagine. It's going to change his game. Southampton 2, West Brom 0. How Rabbit Hutch got his groove back after two stroke losses <laughs> to begin the season. The Saints get their second win on the bounce. A Malian Johan Cruyff tribute goal from Musa Janepo and a Kung Fu fighting Carl Douglas tribute from Oriol Romeo are the difference in this one. Okay, put your pants on, Rog. Let's do it. Everton 4, Brighton 2. Top of the table, Everton smite the pugnacious Seagulls. A towering low post header from DCL. Put your mob up on 16 minutes. His sixth goal of the campaign, Rog, he still hasn't, if, if he totaled the distance of all of them up, he still hasn't reached the edge of the penalty area. That's one for every ab, Rog. Brighton hit back through Neil Mopé, who took advantage of a Jordan Pickford error. Wow, weird, in which it looked like he was playing that beach game, <laughs> spike ball. But just before halftime, Yeri Mina, Rog, put the toppies back in front. James added a second half brace, a goal with both his left and right ones, Rog. And 4.38 into the season, that reduces Rodgers to 2.19. Everton are top of the Premier League table. Nothing, no one can stop them now, Roger. God, 
Warning, children, this part of the show is going to sound like a commercial for Roman. The entire <laughs> first month of this season actually felt like a Roman commercial, or was that just me? This game, oh, how would our looks, life, bling new boys, our fancy high living lads, fare in the rain and mud, the cold harsh realities when it's proper pissing down in Liverpool, and as we'd find out. Plenty bloody good. 60 minutes in, flowing football. Gilfie to Dominic Calvin Lewandowski. Like Wade to LeBron Alleyoop. OMG, DCL, SEX. Ninth goal of the season. Feed the DCL from inside four yards or less. And he will score. What? Why? Why? Touchdown vulture running back DCL is, Dave. Not many yards, but he racks up those sweet touchdown points. Yeah, they're significant. His yards are significant, Rog. Even his half yards, his quarter yards are significant. Really playing with such belief. This is great for England uh, as well as for Everton, Rog. I am going to have more children just so I can name them Dominic. Calvert and Lewin. They're Mm. all great names. You know when I said we were going to have one more? I'm sorry, we're going to go for three. Brian equalised, Jordan, Pickford, Calamity. J-Dubs could just cut this in from other podcasts, Little picky. When it happened, strangely, I was almost relieved to get Jordan Pickford's contractually obliged cock-up out of the way. It's so reckless to keep fielding him with his little arms, his stubby fingers, his unfocused mind. I've got it, lads. You got got it, it, lads! (laughs) Keep his ball! Jordis! It's Jordis! We did sign another goalkeeper, Robin Olsen, on deadline from Roma. I've scouted him. Essentially, he's like Pickford, but with hands. But (laughs) you've analysed Kepa. You've analysed Karius. You're more objective than me. I I, I look at Pickford and I see him as the one barrier between Everton and the 114-point season, David. What do you see? Look, it, it was raining. Rog, I think <laughs> Neville Sattle, the uh, you know former Everton great goalkeeper, legendary Everton goalkeeper, yes. sort of is, is telling us all to like sort of get it in perspective. All of his mistakes only total up to three minutes of football. The problem is, is that they're sort of cut into sort of one second bites. That's 180 mistakes, hands. isn't it? I know, exactly, pretty much. It's 180 <laughs> mistakes. Um, he is a good ball stopper, and he he does make some acrobatic and amazing saves. He's actually very good with the ball at his feet, and he does set Everton off, you know, on a lot of their attacks. He's he's very good with the ball at his feet, um, but these mistakes. They can't continue. This is why Everton pushed so hard for multiple goalkeepers during the Henrik Lundqvist, they came in for. Brad <laughs> Guzan, they came in. I, I will say the good thing about this goal to me is that in the past, that would have knocked the stuffing, the belief, the confidence out of us. But this Everton with the core so good, pressing up, just attacking the ball so aggressively. It's just a, a positivity infuses this side. And the weirdest thing about watching this Everton is... You do so expecting them to score, whereas for the past 20 years, I've watched them and expected them to just crap the bed. James set up Yeri, best Colombian connect since Narco season two. Yeri Mina with his little Macarena dance. We've always joked that he's the best bombits for party motivator in the league, and he is. James got his goals, opposing centre-backs so preoccupied with DCL's runs that James is given the freedom of the world back post in space. And Brighton are good. They are very good. This win really thrilled me. But teams have tropes. Everton's used to be, we wilt. That's what we do, we wilt. You get used to watching them week in, week out. You get used to them 
just sliding backwards with a lead and eventually giving up that goal or fecklessly conceding and then never getting back into the game. You get used to a team's troops when you watch them. And Ancelotti has defanged Everton's troop of self-doubt and self-sabotage. But Devo, by far their greatest troop, bordering on a paranoid neurosis, is feeling inferior before Liverpool even walk on the field at Anfield. So tell me this, we have great work, script writers, the next game after the international break. First game, Everton and Anfield against Liverpool Football Club, defending champions. Is there any way in your imagination, because my imagination right now is doing all kinds of psychotic things to me, is there any way we can beat Liverpool, David? Look, Rog, yes, the international break could not be coming at a worse time for Everton Football Club. They, I'm sure, wanted to keep on playing. They wanted this early season form to go on forever. Yes, Liverpool have been very tough for them to win that derby over the last few years. However, Aston Villa just put seven past Liverpool, Roger. And Jurgen Klopp doesn't get to work with this Liverpool team. Now they go on international break as well. All those players are going off the far-flung corners of the world. I've got to say that if Everton don't score 11 against Liverpool, <laughs> you've got to be pretty disappointed. 11, if Aston Villa can score seven, you've got to handicap it and think that Everton should score 11. God, I'm going to play this part of the pod over and over again as I look at myself in the mirror. That is positive. Your optimism is what I need. Because yes, best start to an Everton season. This is true since the 19th century. I'm surprised it's that recently. I'm surprised it's that recently. The good old days, David. <laughs> JC Bergs tweeted, if Everton keeps winning, I'm getting a car from Kazoo sent to the US. I don't even care if it drives on the wrong side of the road. So on one hand, I love the joy. We deserve this, Everton fans. We really do. All of you listening, we deserve this. Resilience, energy, magic. I mean, it is like watching Dumbo suddenly fly. The joyous part of it, I feel for for young, young, young blues who who have never seen Everton do this. You know, I watch with my kids who just watch giggling and I'm so happy for them. I really, really I'm just so happy they see an Everton that, that, that believes it can win. But I still, I want to leave with this thought. I shudder. At the prospect of the derby. The last time Everton felt this positive, Roberto Martinez was his first year. And I actually flew over for ESPN and interviewed Roberto before the game. And I told him in the interview, I said, Roberto, we never beat Liverpool. It was his first ever derby. And he told, he looked at me in the interview. I've got to find this interview. Because he looked at me and he goes, Roger, you have to get up every morning and believe the sun is going to shine. And I looked out of his office window as he said it, and it was it was pouring down with rain, David. It was pissing down. I mean, I was like, Roberto, what are you talking about, man? And the next night, Anfield, Liverpool destroyed us, Suarez and Sturridge. And I sat at Anfield shell-shocked. Couldn't leave. It just I was the last person in the stadium broken, and I made peace with the fact I might never see Everton beat Liverpool again in my lifetime. Yeah, well, you're going to beat them again in your lifetime, Roger. Come on, that's ridiculous. Your 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 swings from one extreme to another are just so insane. But look, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. Look, I mean, I sort of feel like you've sometimes doubted me when I've told you that the point of football is winning and winning things, and you've always been like, no, quite happy in mid table, very very happy here. It's enjoyable watching your team be unbeaten. It's enjoyable watching your team be perfect. It's enjoyable watching your team contend for a league title. 
Rog. It's enjoyable. That's why we play the game. I just want to be in first position when the world explodes. That's all I ask. <laughs> Sounds too much day. to us. You might already be. You might already be there, Rog. Okay, can we please get a final toast with that Jägermeister liquid joy to bring us home? No, no more talk about the world exploding, Rog. I raise my Jägermeister, that shot of human emotion in the glass, to the US players abroad again. We are not worthy. We are living in incredible days, footballing-wise anyway. This weekend, 19-year-old Serginio Dest subbed in to become the first American international in our nation's history to represent Barcelona. 20-year-old Chris Richards of Birmingham, Alabama made his first ever start for defending champions, defending Champions League champions, Bayern Munich and Gio Reyna, who we're filming with, this week had three assists, received a standing ovation as he left the field for Dortmund in the Bundesliga. But perhaps the most fascinating American tell of the weekend was at shirt sales with the names of Manchester United's Kristin Press and Tobin Heath have outsold any of those of the club's male players for the first days after their signing. A staggering reality, which I raise my Jägermeister to, one that indicates the commercial heft of the women's game. Pay the women, David. Uh, amazing. Those American uh, male players playing overseas just feels like a sea change, Rog. Feels like a very, very different moment. And these women, their commercial success and the commercial success they're bringing to the European clubs that they're playing for, that is phenomenal. Also. Make it rain. Okay, you can follow us on Twitter at Blazers at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram at Blazers at Embassy underscore Davies, on Facebook at Blazers. You can always send your Ravens the crap part or so, or you can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendor put Rog. War pig! Who wants to sex my tumbo? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria! Balls lose. To tweed. Abrigada, rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fight in America. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rog. I'm off to read the book of Brodge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far mm-hmm. in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I in, would, in the plumber 27-year-old days? 27-year-old Shea would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.